Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Please be seated. It's certainly wonderful to be back. Um, Give Sandra a bit of a hand as well as she plays her little fingers off. Fingers on. That'd be a more positive statement, isn't it? Well, it's just so great to be back. It's great to see some uh, uh, new faces in the room as well as as well as some of the existing ones, not referring to age and old, it's just beautiful. Thank you to the team and everybody who uh, uh, not just filled in, but really excelled. Um, who was here last week, saw Matt and Emily share, amazing, wasn't it? And uh, Amber and Andy and uh, Brad via video. Gee whiz, we're a high-tech savvy church, aren't we, hey? And um, it was just it was super exciting, yeah. So uh, Anna and I and the family, we uh, um, headed up uh, it almost seems like a, a, an annual pilgrimage to Bright. Who loves Bright? Beautiful little spot there. Um, I could pretty easily call it home. Uh, and, um, and we had a, uh, a short uh, time there and then headed over to the uh, National Conference, which it's just so amazing and so exciting to get together with a couple of hundred CRC pastors. We're part of a denominational family, and uh, that denominational family uh, is uh, a group of churches that are inter, uh, that are autonomous uh, and interdependent. And so um, we're part of a, a great uh, denominational family that is that is that um, uh, has a rock-solid foundation in the Word, and uh, we are um, active in missions. Um, that's something that us as a church uh, for overseas missions, we're, we're heavy and we're active in local mission, of course, um, and we're going to start to look at what we might do overseas and things like that. Who's, who's got a heart for nations in the room? But it's just certainly good to see a hand, a couple of hands there. Um, I'd, uh, you know, who, who's, who's got a heart for the Mediterranean? Who'd like to go to Greece? And <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, anybody? Iraq? Any? No, nobody. <laughs> so there's 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 uh, some wonderful opportunities that are being presented. This morning, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to one Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 18 first up. Today I want to talk to you about um, the importance of uh, being a spiritual community, and we're going to see where it lands today. Is that cool? All right. Um, next week, Anna and I uh, have been invited to minister at, uh, at a large CRC church over in Warren Ponds. And so we're going to be there both Saturday and Sunday. Last time we went there, a move of God really was quite extraordinary. So I'll be inviting, uh, uh, inviting you know, prayer cover for us and just be praying um, that as the Lord leads, uh, he moves that. But we, we're going to see where things land today. Is that cool? Yep. All right. Fantastic. All right. Um, let's read that scripture first, and then I'm just going to bounce back into a couple of other things. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, pre but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Powerful scripture. We're going to just unpack that a little bit with the understanding that it is important to be a spiritual community. It, it, and it's, it's actually, the, the truth is, is that... Um, uh, we, we are collectively here at MCC a spiritual community, but we also need to understand that, that, that in the wider uh, city of Melbourne, in, the, in this municipality of Manningham and the surrounding um, uh, uh, government councils, etc., um, that there is also a deep spiritual community. And so the understanding is this, is that um, there are a deep spiritual community and there's, there, there's hundreds and thousands of people who are actually yearning for spiritual connection. And uh, we understand this basically, ultimately, because the word says that, that God has placed eternity in men's hearts. In other words, there's this God-shaped void. There's this, there's this essence of, of, of a, 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 a hole or a position in each and every single human being's heart that says, I need God. I need spirituality. I need a spiritual connection. We're coming up to... Uh, um, October, it's October now, right? First of October, pinch punch, first of the month today, is it? Yeah. And so, and so we're, in this, we're in this place of October, which is uh, uh, what happens, what is one of the things that gets celebrated during October that's very American? Halloween, Halloween right? Now, I'm not going to go into the origins of Halloween, um, but Halloween ultimately in its origins is deeply spiritual, deeply spiritual. And so uh, we dress up our kids in, you know, all sorts of different costumes that depict something, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm not here to express my opinion, but what I am saying is this, is that there is a spiritual response from the community to spiritual matters and spiritual things. Okay? And I, I would propose to you that Halloween is a spiritual thing. Now, in Western society... Um, we tend to secularise spiritual things. We tend to downplay. Yoga, for example, is a spiritual thing, but it's, it's, it's uh, pitched as an, a, a place of exercise and meditation. Stretching, right? We are a community, when, when I say we, I'm talking about uh, the city of Melbourne, all of Australia. We are a spiritual community and there is a spiritual yearning. You only have to have a turn on the TV and have a look at all the spiritual shows that are on. Yeah. They have an element of the supernatural. 
right? Uh, as a family at the moment, we're, we're watching way too much of The Flash. And you remember, the, anybody know what The Flash is? It's a, it's a guy who, fastest man on earth, right? And, yet, and he can run. And yet throughout all of it, throughout all of it, there are spiritual things spiritual e emphasis where people get taken over by this and people get taken over that and they allow themselves and the, you know they actually talk about in a joking way oh this is a seance and this is that now i'm not saying we're watching garbage at home what i'm saying is is that is is this hollywood depicts spiritual things so that it can connect with the audience because the audience longs for spiritual connection. Yep. Okay? Did you catch what I just said? Yep. All right? If they don't connect with the audience, they don't make money. <laughs> you understand? Yep. Right. So we've been talking about the last couple of weeks all about community, haven't we? The importance of community, the importance of being a community. And I think, you know, COVID really taught us that, didn't it? The importance of banding together and online is just not enough. Hello to everybody who's watching online, we love you. But, but online is often just, 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 just not enough. And yet we come into this space and, and we say, okay, well, yes, a spiritual community is important, but what do we do? Who are we when we are the koinonia? And, and we talked about the koinonia. If, um, I went into greater depth about what that is. But ultimately, the koinonia is a Greek word for, for the body of the church that has these several just key things. The first thing is this, is that we have something in common. Anybody got two eyes? One nose? Two ears? Well, it, I'm talking about more than just being human, right? <laughs> We've got something in common. And the number one thing that we have in common, of course, is our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord. That he died for our sin, forgave us of our, of our trespasses, the Bible says, and then we come into that place of absolute, that, that place of salvation, that absolute place of bliss, knowing that we have been accepted by God, there is no longer any void, we have that con connection that we have been longing all of our life for, and it is ours, we are his and he is ours, right? We have that thing in common, hello? And the other thing is that we understand that koinonia, or having this one thing in common, is, is this very strong element of covenant with God, and it's an active covenant with God. It's an active agreement with the Lord, with God himself, that says, God, I give you my life. You are on the throne room of my heart. <coughs> you are on the throne room of my heart and I walk with you for the rest of my life. Hello? And at the same time, the koinonia is that we are in active relationship with each other, right? The Bible talks about that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Jackson, you are my brother. I know that's weird, isn't it? I just really felt the Lord during worship lay you on my heart. I know this is like, yeah, I'm looking at you, no one else is, okay? Just, understand that. But I, I just get a, get a sense that the Lord is beginning to build his word into your life. There's a strong foundation of his word. And it's like your life has been sort of um, hidden 
in that foundation. But I just get a sense that the Lord is building you up out of that foundation into new revelation of his word. And so I would encourage you uh, to spend your own time in the, in the word. Mum and dad will lead you. But um, spend your own time in the word because he's actually going to speak to you quite profoundly through it. All right, You're going to understand things that other people find difficult. Okay? That's the primary thing. Amen? All right. So for some of you who may not be used to that, is that we understand that God's word is both written and spoken. Amen? And so often uh, God will give us, God will speak to, to us. And, it's, and when I say us, I'm not talking about people just here or from the platform. I'm saying God can speak to you as well. And you might have a, a word or an encouragement, a word of encouragement to give to somebody. And that was a word of encouragement. Okay, and um, did it point towards the Lord? Yes. yes. Was it encouraging for Jackson? Yes. Well, I hope so. Uh, I hope he felt encouraged. Um, uh, and we understand that words are also confirmed by two or three witnesses. Understand? All right, so I submit that firstly to Jackson's parents, Sam and Callie, and then they will outwork that or talk that through with Jackson over, uh, over the coming months. So, you so you've got to understand the way that the Word of God uh, operates and speaks through us. It's not, thus saith the Lord Jackson, you are going to be an astronaut. No, that's... I don't know whether you might or might not, but that's not the word, right? It's, it's not imposing. What it is is encouraging and building up. Amen? Okay. So, um, Koinonia. So, we're back to this, this space of being a spiritual community, but at the same time, we have to understand that, that we are in agreement with God. We are in partnership with the Lord. We only have to look at the scripture that, um, that talks about that when Jesus said, um, um, cast your cares upon me, I care for you. Then he went on to say, um, my burden is light. All right, And so um, I think too often, yes, life gets difficult. Life gets on us. Life happens around us. Um, but the truth is this, is the truth is this. Jesus' burden is light and his yoke is easy. Now, let me explain that a little bit. A yoke is, is, you know, when two oxens were pulling together and they were pulling a plough or whatever it was. The hard work was at the, at the back. That's where the groundbreaking was taking place, wherever the oxen went, you see. And so the two, the, there would be a, uh, an experienced oxen and there would be a younger oxen and the experience, experienced one would be leading the younger one, right? And so there is this picture of Jesus saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What happens when the yoke gets uneasy? It's because we're pulling against what Jesus is doing in our heart and life. <laughs> That's when the yoke rubs. That's when the yoke gets a bit tight around us is because Jesus is saying, I love you so much that I'm going to teach you how to plough this ground and be effective and productive in your life. And so as we go into this place and into this space of koinonia, this working together with the Lord, this covenant with God, this agreement with God, is that he says, my yoke is easy, but my burden is light. So the burden of what, what we're ploughing, he makes light. And now now let, let me help you understand. There are seasons of difficulty because life happens, right? Jesus said, there will be trials and tribulations, guaranteed. And he said, count it all joy, right? 
But that's not most of the time because even when things are difficult, if we understand the principle that we are pulling with Jesus, that Jesus himself is pulling with us. He's teaching us how to plough the ground. He's teaching us how to be effective and productive in our life. Friends, that is what koinonia is all about. That is what koinonia is coming together with the Lord. That's why he says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. <clears throat> so, I felt just during worship as well that we have to understand this thing in terms of being a spiritual community. I've travelled around to, you know, a few country churches from time to time and, and um, you know, I, I can't help but have vision for these country churches that, you know, uh, we were, I, I was looking in one church and, you know, they're doing their best and they've got the old hard pews. Anybody want to go back to old hard pews? No, thank you very much, right? Right? Um, no air conditioning, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, bad sound systems. Um, you know, it, it might be an out-of-tune guitar. I, I remember in the Philippines one time, we went into this little, this, this little church and because of the humidity, um, there was a uh, bass guitar and all the strings were just completely rusted so that as I was playing them, all this rust was coming off and uh, like liquid is pouring out of my body because it's so hot. And, and, uh, and then one of the guys gets on the drum kit and one of the cymbals is like so split and broken it's just like but he's yeah and we're shout to the lord all the earth and everyone's worshiping absolutely to their heart's content and then we go into this moment of free worship and everyone's singing and dancing and yet they only have a fraction materially of what we have their security is only a fraction of what we thoroughly enjoy. Their freedoms is only a fraction of what, they th of what we enjoy each and every single day. But their joy level, their, their, their love for God is displayed in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way. And I think too often in our Western society, we tend to secularize our spirituality. We think our spirituality might just be a cup of coffee and a podcast in the morning. And if we skip on the podcast, we'll definitely get the coffee. <laughs> we think it might be a little devotional out of word of today or whatever it might be. And that might be fine. But friends, what we have to understand is that Koinonia says that we come together in a spiritual community and we lift up our voices and we sing and we praise. Let me tell you this, let me tell you this. During free worship, <coughs> when I say free worship, it might be a time where lyrics are not being displayed and but music is being played either quietly or, or loudly, okay? Um, I don't want you to answer this out loud, but when do you, any other time of the week, lift your voice loudly to the Lord? I will guarantee you 98% of us very rarely do at home. It was quite funny on our holiday in Bright. Um, I don't know whether Joshua is an aspiring um, Steven Spielberg, but he wrote this almost movie-length script 
that whilst we were away, all of the family was to act out these roles and these parts. Right. Now, we're talking this thing goes for about 40 minutes. <laughs> right, we're talking, you know, plus ads, it's probably a good series worth. You know what I mean? So, right, so anyway, so I didn't win a Logie for my acting role. I know, I know. But I take solace in the fact that no one did. So, um, but the truth is this, is that, is that it, here we are in this beautiful, quiet little bride, and there was this scene which required everybody to be really, really, really upset, right? It was a bit of a murder mystery, right? And so, and so everybody was really upset because somebody had passed away and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and anyway, so here I am, I'm filming on this iPad, high quality tech camera work, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm filming and, and, every, and everybody's wailing. And I'm thinking to myself, the neighbours are going to call the cops in a minute. <laughs> there's screaming going on, there's noise going on, right? It's just unbelievable. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to hear sirens. They're going to think somebody's being done in or something's happening. It was like loud. And I mean, I know most Italian families are loud anyway, right? Is that right? But <laughs> let me tell you, this Italian family, like we'd walk into quiet little tourist bright shops and it was quiet and then the Yakabuchis walk in and it was like, oh my gosh, a bull in a china shop. Anyway, so... Um, I think at home, I think at home we're just too quiet. I think with the Lord, we tend to be a little too quiet because we secularize our spirituality. We take that scripture, be still and know, and that is important to be still and know that he is God. But I think too often we come into this space and we say, well, I'm just going to have this quiet moment of reflection. Why? Because it's passive. Passive. Yeah, gosh, if you barrack for Collingwood, we forgive you. But, <laughs> but sometimes there's, there's more enthusiasm about a premiership cup and a piece of silver than for our salvation. Friends, I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to, to be condemning in, in, in any way, shape or form, but I want you to ask the question, where, where has the secularization of my community affected my spirituality? Let me tell you, it's a deeply spiritual thing to raise your hands. It's a deeply spiritual thing to raise your voice. It's a deeply spiritual thing, not to just give a token clap, thank you Jesus, and that's it. It's a deeply spiritual thing to step into that moment of raising our hands, raising our voices, especially when we gather together. Because let me tell you, if you don't do it at home for the, for the fear of what the neighbours might think, let me give you permission. You can do it here. You can do it here. In fact, do we need to turn the sound system up so you're not heard as much? I don't know. But sometimes we're just so, I think we're too timid. I think we're too passive in our spirituality because as a community, we are not designed. God's, God's intention and purpose for our life is not to be a quiet Victorian that just allows things to come and go, that we, affect, we allow things to happen around our life and say, well, what a shame it is. No, we are to step on the front foot of our spirituality and say, God, I'm a child. I'm your child. 
I, I walk with you, Jesus, because you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You said that we have been invited into a John 10, 10 life and life abundantly. Yes, there will be trials. Yes, there will be tribulations. But I count it all joy because I win. We win in the end, friends, don't we? Okay, so let's live like it. Let's fill ourselves with joy and take that choice and that position of setting a new baseline because friends, that's what koinonia is. It's this baseline that says, I will not go beneath. I will always put the body first. I will always put the kingdom first. I've given my life to Jesus. I am his and he is mine. If I withhold anything from him, then I ultimately am walking in idolatry. I am exalting that thing or that area of my life above, above his complete and total access to all that I am and everything that I have. Let me tell you, cast your cares upon him. Cast your cares upon him. That cast word is like a fisherman with a net that says, throw it. Throw it. Cast it upon him. Why? Jesus says, for he cares for you. Now, he doesn't say you shouldn't have any cares. He doesn't say you're not going to walk with a level of anxiety. He said, you're not, he said it's, it's bad if you're like, no, that's not what I'm saying. You are not a bad person if you experience these things. But what it does say is we have this invitation, we have this opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm going to cast that upon you. You're big enough to carry my cares. What an invitation. What an invitation for koinonia in walking with him. So human wisdom says, I am the bearer of all things. I must carry it. I must, I must push through. Yes, there are elements of responsibility. There are elements of learning that we must be committed to. But ultimately, we cast it upon him. Hello? We partner with him. We work together with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.18. I'm just going to unpack this for a little bit. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to say to many people, hey, guess what? Jesus, born of a virgin the Son of God, lived a sinless life. He showed us how to live here on earth. He healed scores of people. Can I just, can I just say this to you? It is only in secular society that questions the existence of Jesus. Every other area around the world absolutely knows, and it is confirmed, through historical writing that a man existed that changed the world and his name was Jesus Christ. So when we ask our friends, do you believe in Jesus? No, I don't. The actual truth is, do you believe that Jesus lived? Because if you believe that Jesus lived, then you're on the path to understanding why he was born and why he died, and why he rose again. This is the message of the cross, that Jesus came to set us free, 
and reunite us with our Heavenly Father. But it's foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to secular thinking. And then he goes on to talk about it. God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You know, you know knowledge puffs up, doesn't it? We think we know best. We think we know it all. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, the world through wisdom did not know God. Friends, it's far too, um, it's a dangerous place to fall into the trap of being wiser in our own eyes. Because it does. It causes us to rely upon ourselves. It causes us to rely upon our own opinion. You know what it actually does as well? It cuts off our connection with community. Let me explain that. In society at the moment, it appears, and there is some commentary around it, that if I have a different opinion than you, then we are at war with each other. In other words, what people in the community are experiencing is that if, uh, let me put it this way, it's difficult to have an open conversation of two different opinions. Because if I have a different opinion or you have a different opinion, then one of us is right, one of us is wrong. See, friends, that's pride. It's, it's, it's secular wisdom. It's man's wisdom. And we have an application on our smartphones called Facebook and social media that has things like algorithms that if you look at one thing, it thinks you're more interested in that. And so then you suddenly start to think everybody thinks like you do. But the problem is, you don't. And I love what Carl Faye said. He said, said we just get uh, pulled into this bubble of thinking everybody believes what you believe. And it could be about anything, carrots or apples, whatever it is. You know, Collingwood's good. Like, <laughs> crazy. It's, it's dangerous, folks. It really is. So we're going to press into some hope now. Is that cool? <clears throat> Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, now we're talking about the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, the world through wisdom did not know God. So through manly wisdom, you cannot know God. There'll be some glimpses, there might be some signposts, but ultimately you will be, uh, 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 the world will be filled with its own self. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message. Now, what's the foolishness of the message? That Jesus died on the cross. That's what we're talking about here. The message of the cross is that Jesus came, died for your sin, and reunited you with the Father. 
that void is filled. Hello? And it's the beginning of our walk. It's the beginning of our being yoked with Jesus. Amen? It pleased God through the foolishness of the message, preached to save those who believe. Wow, is that all that has to happen? All we have to do is believed and therefore it is accounted to us as wisdom, friends. Wow. And then it talks about two groups of people and ultimately you can summarise our community, our secular community down to two groups of people. And the unfortunate reality is we, we can probably see ourselves in both of these groups of people. The first group of people is that we want signs and wonders. <laughs> Come on, who's ever prayed, God, if you would do this, I will live for you all the days of my life. Yeah? You know, when I was young, I was, God, if you give me a voice like John Farnham, I'll worship you all the days of my life. <laughs> right? And God just said, no, you'll just worship me all the days of your life. <laughs> and then there's people and who, people who want knowledge. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. Now, let me, look, I don't, I, I don't want to be nuffies who don't know. We ought to be well-schooled. We ought to be well-educated. We have opportunity to be well-educated, right? But we can either be people who are always wanting evidence or always wanting this knowledge of wisdom. And the Greeks back in those days were filled with what they called Gnosticism. So knowledge, knowledge that puffs up and fills themselves. So if I was educated, then I was more important and better than somebody who was not educated. I was just talking with somebody yesterday, and I remember back in year nine, it's only a few years ago, um, back, in, back in year nine, uh, I, was, I was really seriously considering, we had, a, we had a plumber come and give a business speech and everything, and I thought, yeah, I could see myself being a plumber. I, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, blow this school thing. I'll just go get an apprenticeship as a plumber, and she'll be right, mate. I'll dig dirty holes and put pipes in. It seems, seems pretty, pretty simple to me. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, that's great. But back in those days, how things have changed. Back in those days, a little while ago, if you were a bit of a tradie, it was like minimum wage. How things are different now. <laughs> I should have become a plumber. <laughs> right? Plumbers are driving Harleys, got big homes and houses, and, you know, tradies are doing all right, right? If you're a tradie, thank you for what you do. But the point is this, <laughs> it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's about pressing into the wisdom of the cross. It's about pressing in. Now, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about being a spiritual community. Yes, gain in knowledge. Yes, get your doctorate. Yes, get your diploma. Yes, be educated, but understand why you're doing it. The why of what you're doing is, is not just to put food on the table. The why of what you're doing is because God has gifted you in a special way. God has given you a direction in your life to do and be somebody that is profound. Whether you're digging a hole putting pipes in or whether you're open heart surgery, whatever it might be, God is placing you in that position. Why? To make the wisdom of, of this world foolishness compared to the wisdom of God who has placed you in the place that he has placed you. Hello? And then I love verse 24. 
but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks. <laughs> Is God picking a particular type of person over the other? What he's saying here is not a racial thing, but those Jews who wish to seek a sign, those Greeks who, who wish to grow in knowledge and wisdom, both are called. Whew. Both are called. They called to what? They called to Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What an invitation. What an invitation as a spiritual community. I love Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So I get to this point and I say, well, why wouldn't I lift up my hands? Why wouldn't I lift up my voice in church? Why wouldn't I you know, get excited about what God has done in my life? Well, the only conclusion is, is that I have to be honest with God. And I have to say this thing that, 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 that whilst it, it's gotta be bold and it's gotta be sincere, that says, God, is there any area of my life that I've not yet fully surrendered to you? Now, let me assure you, you are growing, but the only way to grow spiritually is to live a life that is continually surrendered to the Lord. It's this place and it's this moment of every morning, Lord, <laughs> I have not sinned, I have not cursed, I have not sped and broken the speed limit, I have not uh, you know, yelled at somebody, but in a few moments, Lord, I'm about to get out of bed. Please help me today. <laughs> It is this moment of, Lord, I commit my life into your hands today. Forgive me for my sin. Praise God, he says, my, his mercies are new every single flipping morning. Praise God. Now, let me take this to a new level. You ready? When you live a life surrendered to the Lord, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the koinonia, the community that you're in. Because when you live a life surrendered to the Lord, it gives permission for those others to live a life surrendered to the Lord so that their life would be changed, so that you would serve them and they also would serve you. And every area of where we struggle in surrender is this area of where we're either seeking a sign or we're seeking knowledge and wisdom. It can be summarised in those two spaces. I want to end on this story. George Otis Jr., who is a descendant of uh, the Otis family who um, uh, invented the elevator, the lift, uh, back in the late 1800s, would you believe? Um, the first lift was made out of timber <laughs> and uh, he displayed it um, uh, he displayed it, oh, it's just gone out of my mind for a minute. He displayed it at Barnum's Circus. Isn't that phenomenal? That was just a little tidbit of history for you. You know Walter J. Barnum, you know? The greatest showman that was really nothing to do with his story in life. 
You know, Walter J. Barnum had a favourite cow. He used to treat the cow better than he did any woman in his life. Anyway. Anyway. George Otis wrote a book. Um, George Otis Jr. wrote a book called The Twilight Labyrinth. And, you know, there's, there's a lot in that book. Some people may connect with it, some people may not. But in that book, there was a study of um, the effects of uh, festivals and celebrations that would take place. And uh, it was remarkable to, <coughs> to see um, the, that over a long period of time, that where these celebrations and festivals that would take place, um, as numbers grew, so too the spiritual effect of whatever that celebration was. So he looked at uh, Brazil in terms of the, um, the Pride March or the, the Gay Mardi Gras that would take place. And he, it, there was the, the effect of um, uh, the growth in people who felt that they were gay. Uh, he looked at also areas of uh, the Philippines where they celebrate um, Halloween uh, and Halloween is essentially celebrated from the point of view of visiting and honouring dead ancestors. And so uh, they would gather around the graves. We were actually there in the Philippines at the same time where people would, you know, have a feast around the gravesite of their dead ancestor. Now, now you know, look, it, it, I, I think it's important to honour those that have gone before, right? Hello? And I think ultimately, ultimately, there's good intention in terms of remembering good old Jono. Wasn't he great? He built the family home, he did this, he did a great job. Thank you, Lord, for those that have gone before. But there's a line that continues to get crossed that when a little bit of permission is given with a spiritual emphasis, then it opens up for the enemy to come in and create influence in a community. And I'm not talking about just an individual's life. I'm talking thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Now, I'm not going to go deep into this because um, uh, that's not our purpose for today. And to be honest, I'm not, uh, I haven't spent time researching this for my own self. But I do want to say this. Wherever you look at a festival... If you were to look at a festival even locally, whether it's Warrandyte or, you know, uh, St Andrews or, you know, if there was a Manningham or anything like that, have a look at the emphasis of what's being sold and the message of it. And it will be an indication of where the enemy is wanting to influence the entire community. Look at the principle of the Tower of Babel. If you're unfamiliar with the story, Man unified uh, very early on in the peace uh, history of the world. Man unified and said, let's build a tower all the way to heaven. And God at that time said, we need to scatter them because there will be nothing that will go out of their reach. In other words, man will become all powerful. Why? Because they're in unity. Okay, now let me, I've got to crash land this real hard. Wherever there is a group of people, 
This is the principle of wherever there are two or three gathered, in his name, Jesus is in the midst. It's a spiritual principle. That when people gather together with a sense of koinonia, with a sense of spiritual unity, and again, this is why it's important to be a spiritual community, and a spiritual community that honours Christ first and foremost. When there are, is a group of people that gather together, a spiritual dynamic takes place. What is that spiritual dynamic that's going to take place in your life? I don't want to end on a question, but it's something that we have to understand about koinonia. It's something that we have to understand about community. So many people come in here, even during the week, and they walk in and they say, oh, such a beautiful atmosphere here. It just feels like home. Why? Because there is a group of people that call this place their spiritual home. Why? We lift up the name of Jesus. Why? The word of God is preached. Truth. There is that spiritual emphasis in their life yearning for connection. And they walk in and they recognise their, their own spirit, their own soul recognises this could be it. But then, of course, distractions in life pull people away. The enemy works hard at drawing people away from being in church. This is why the Bible said, don't forsake the gathering together. That's why it says in Psalms, uh, when we gather together in unity, my paraphrase, it's, the way, it's there that the Lord commands the blessing. You've got to understand this, folks. There is a spiritual dynamic that takes place when we get together. At the national conference where there's over, you know, 200, 250 plus pastors all worshipping. Man, you don't, you just have to play a note and they are, you know, they're in there. Hands raised. You know, there were several moments of where in that building, the sound system wasn't loud enough. Praise God for that. And the spiritual dynamic is take, changing and taking place. So I want to challenge you today. When we gather together, gather together with the understanding that the Holy Spirit is breathing upon us collectively. Gather together with the understanding that it's like when the Bible says that we greet each other with a holy kiss. It's like, it's like I embrace you. I'm not going to show any partiality to whether you're wealthy, whether you're whether you don't have wealth, whether you're in need or whether you are not in need. You know what? You are a child of God and we love you and we accept you. It doesn't matter how you're clothed, how many tattoos you do have or you don't have. It doesn't matter who you think you might be. We want to show you that you are loved and accepted no matter what. Friends, that's koinonia. That's the importance of being a spiritual community. That is the importance of when we worship and when there's a moment of free worship and the band's playing. It's not just about worship leaders who are on the mic who are just singing to the Lord a new song. Friends, that's our opportunity. That's our chance. That's our opportunity to raise our voices loudly and be activated and engaged in the change and the envelop, to be enveloped in the nature of who the Holy Spirit is and what He wants to do in us individually, but also collectively as a community. Hello? So I want to invite you. I want to, I want to ask you, next week when there's, when there's worship, hey, sing loudly. 
Next, next week when there's, we have a prayer meeting at the beginning of every service, come and join in and, and don't let it just be a quiet time of reflection and being still and no. Let it be a time of being on your front foot and being active in creating a spiritual atmosphere that is like charged with the miracles of the Gospel. Friends, we're not seeking a sign and we're not seeking for the gaining of knowledge. We are after Christ and Christ crucified. The integrity of the Gospel, the foundation of who He is in our life. Jesus said that if we would lift Him up actively and openly, then He would draw all people unto Him. Friends, you don't come in here just to receive. You come in here to be enhanced, to be changed, so that when you go out, you are Christ. What an opportunity we have. What a joy that we have. There is a community, a spiritual community that is yearning for connection. And guess what? You have that connection. You have it. You have Him. His name is Jesus. Amen? Come on, let's stand and pray. Just in these last few moments, I'm going to invite Julie up in just a, just a few short seconds. But if you're here today or if you're watching online and you have never said, Jesus, come into my life, or Jesus, I give you my life, then I would invite you with, as, as everybody here closes their eyes, that you would just raise your hand just quickly now and say, yes, I want to be that person. I want to say, Jesus, come into my life. If that's you here today. If you're watching online, just uh, you know, shoot us a, a, a DM, a, a private message, and we'd love to just stand with you and connect with you and pray with you. If you're listening on the podcast at a later stage, then I would encourage you, reach out to us at office at manninghamcc.org and we'd love to lead you in prayer and stand with you in agreement and pray. But if is there anybody here today that says, yes, Jesus, I give you my life and you've never done that before, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, if there's anybody else here that says, I want to be, I, I, think it's, I think we're all in agreement here. I think, I think that we all go, yeah, yeah, we are a spiritual community. Yes, as a church, we are committing to be on the front foot and active in prayer and worship. We're being on the front foot and active and being that koinonia of, of being yoked with Jesus. Can we just all open our hands right now? And I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. To say those words. Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, it just is just, this is just between you and the Lord right now. And again, you might just want to say those words. Jesus, I give you my life. <laughs> oh, Jesus, it's such a joy to, that I can give you my life every single moment of every single day. Lord God, I just, I just ask that we would all be agents of change in the community, that there would be a spiritual awakening in our community, that eyes would be open to see you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for, for those prodigals who have who've walked away from you, Jesus, that they would come, that they would come back. Jesus, forgive us of where we've always sought a sign or where we've always sought man's wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, we just thank you right now that you give us the opportunity to those who believe. Jesus, we believe in you. You are our Lord. 
You are our Saviour. You love this city of Melbourne. You love this city of Manningham. And so Jesus, we ask for a spiritual awakening in all of our community. Let them be awakened to You. Lord, help us be reflectors of Your glory in everyday living, in everyday life, in Jesus' Name. Are we all said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and His presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your Saviour, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you, and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website, manninghamcc.org, and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details, and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected. We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.